0: The following is a President's Chapel by Professor Joel Kim, President of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. wscal.edu, 888-480-8474. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to the campus of Westminster Seminary, California. Many of you who live in San Diego know that major parts of San Diego are without power and electricity this morning. My house is one of them. But yet we're grateful that the school has power and electricity, and here we are able to broadcast our final chapel of the year. You know, I have a friend nearby. When you ask him, how are you doing, his answer is often better than I deserve, he says. Lots of people may think that that's just simply Christianese, things that Christians say that sounds good but devoid of any meaning, but actually he means it. So this morning, if you're wondering, how is Westminster Seminary, California doing this December of year 2020? I think I can say with all honesty, we are doing better than we deserve. Um, we're not without bumps and bruises this year. And as many of you know, we had to transition back to online classes about three weeks ago as the county and the state uh, numbers of COVID cases and positives are increasing. Yet as we finish out the we- year this, this week, and today is the last chapel, students turn in their uh, papers tomorrow. Many will be taking their exams the next two weeks. The staff, the board and the faculty are grateful for the resiliency of the students, but most of all for the faithfulness of our Lord who has provided and who has continued to protect our campus and our family here. As we think about his goodness to us, this morning I want us to turn to a passage in Isaiah chapter 12, reminding us to be thankful, not because things are easy, not because the future is clear, but because the Lord is faithful to us. As he declares in Isaiah chapter 12, verse one, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song And he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say on that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So far the reading of his word. Here this passage reminds us of what we ought to do. And as he does so, he begins in verse one and two by saying, you will say. The two sections of this particular chapter are divided by the phrase you will say in verse one and later on in verse four. What will you say? He says, I will give thanks to you, Lord. I will give thanks to you. And this is where he gives actually reasons for why he gives thanks to the Lord. Part of that has to do with what the Lord has done for him and therefore for us. As verse 1 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. It is easy for us to forget that you and I were once... Um, uh, enemies of God, sinners, alienated from God, deserving of anger and wrath of God. As one pastor says, our deepest problem is not whether we will love God, that we would love God, but whether God will love us. This problem is uh, become, becomes more acute the more we recognize our own sinfulness. The greater the comprehension of, of our sinfulness, growth, and greater the comprehension in the Lord's holiness. And Isaiah knew this quite well. This particular passage completes the section in Isaiah that began with chapter 6, verse 1. It's a chapter that many of you know, might know quite well when Isaiah was confronted with the holiness of God and his own personal sinfulness and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Seeing God's holiness allowed him to see his own own unworthiness in verse 5. When he declared, woe is me, he said, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Yet as Isaiah experienced, and as we do now, God grants us grace greater than all our sins experienced by Isaiah, for all those who depend upon Christ for our standing before God. As later on, Apostle Paul declared in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Christ Jesus. But it's not only that there is grace at work within us that motivates Isaiah's thankfulness, but that there is something going on through us and around us. As chapter 12, verse 2 indicates to us, this is not generally God's redemptive plan at work, his rescue plan for his people, but it's at work within us individually. Verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Note the repetition of the first person personal pronoun. My salvation, my strength, my song, and my salvation. This is not a mere academic, theoretical, or distant discussion, but it's personal, practical, Ineffective. For those of you who have children, you know what this feels like, right? It's one thing for you to enjoy playing with children who are cute, active, with lots of different talents and interests and energy. Yet enjoying other people's babies and kids is one thing. When you have your own, you start believing that everything about your child is perfect the best looking child the smartest child the only one who's better than anyone else of course until they reach teenage years as you know many of you know well here it's not about someone else or something else that's generally around us but god's salvation and his presence is with us with me this personal nature of what god does isaiah later on reminds us In chapter 43, when he says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Think about that. I have called you by name. You are mine. On days like this, I find great comfort in the phrase included here when he says, the Lord God is my strength and my song. Perhaps you remember these words. When the Israelites were freed from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, they were quickly pursued by the Egyptians. And as the enemy drew near, the Israelites stood firm, confident that the Lord would save them. Is not what happened. Many of them started doubting the goodness of the Lord and the power of the Lord. They complained and they feared. According to Exodus 14, we're told, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. At that time, Moses' reply was very powerful when he says, Fear not. Stand firm. And see, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The conclusion you know well, as it records for us, the Lord saved Israel that day. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. When they saw the power of God, chapter 15 of Exodus records for us the song they sang. They could not help but to sing. And when they sang the song, the verses 1 and 2 say, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The Lord is my strength and my song. Those are the words. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him, the song says. Believers like you and I have good reasons to find strength in God and sing with joy to the Lord. They have seen his power. They have seen him keep his promise. And this is not just once in a while. He has been faithful always to us, and we have witnessed his salvation. Friends, this is practical theology. When the grace of God in our salvation becomes clear and real, we cannot but echo the words of Paul in Romans 8.31 when he said, If God is for us, who can be against us? For we see God at work in us, around us, As he pours out his mercy and grace upon us. As he says says this, we recognize that the Israelites, and in, in this Isaiah, as he records this, they have much to be thankful for. But the promises made in Isaiah were pointing to the future, as verses 1 and 3 indicate, in that day. In that day, one day Isaiah prophesies a day of salvation when God rescues, restores, and dwells among his people. In that day, they will see their king dwell among them. Verse six comes back and says, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. But in that day for us now on this side of the cross is in this day. God's rescue mission was to send his son so that he might dwell among his people. The very people who were once exiled, estranged, and separated because of their sins and disobedience have now been led home by the Holy One who came to make his home among them. In this season, we are reminded even of the sign that Isaiah spoke of, the sign of Emmanuel, God with us in chapter 7, verse 14, only a few chapters previous, where he records, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God came near in his Son as Jesus Christ made his dwelling among us, and John is very pointed when he reminds us that divine presence is an often repeated promise of God not fulfilled in Christ. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, John 14 says, and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Our father, our God, is loving and merciful and gracious that day that isaiah looked toward with hope that day is here for you and me in christ jesus recognizing that reality we can't help but to join and echo what isaiah says when he comes to the second half of this passage he begins by saying you will say but this time one thing that you may not recognize in the English text is that the you here is now plural. That is, all the blessings that have been received are individually recognized and in experienced, but the response is communal. It's corporate. Is within a community. Here, what he reminds us to do can be multiple things. Call his name, make known his deeds, proclaim his name, all things worthy of our time. But this morning, I just want to point out what he says first when he says, give thanks. Give thanks. Not because all is well, not because the future is certain and clear, not because there is no pain nor struggles existing around us, but we give thanks because God has been good, and he will continue to be faithful to his people. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 5.20, Give thanks always and for everything to God. This is why he says in Philippians 4.6, here simply saying, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is why in Colossians 3:15 through 17 we are told, "And be thankful. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, uh, God our Father through him." This is why in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, a verse that you know well, we are reminded to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, for you. Friends, I realized that for many of us, 2020 has been a challenging year in many ways. But yet, as we sit in December and look back, boy, there are so many reasons for us to be thankful. Uh, even this morning, as some of the staff members were exchanging emails, And as we're thinking about the power outage in our area and potential for the school and how we ought to respond to it, I received an email from one of our staff members who simply said, I'm heading to the school. I'll tell you what's going on. For someone who wakes up daily thinking about the school, individuals that surround us here, the administration, they have been a huge blessing to me and I know to the students as well. And that is true at all levels of the institutions. We are thankful for you, many of you who join to simply participate in our community, many of you who are praying for us, perhaps even today, as you lift us up, many of you who have been our friends and supporters, walking with us through these uh, roads and difficulties and lifting us up and encouraging us along the way. Most of all, the Lord, who has protected this community and has been so kind to us in his provisions, we give thanks. We give thanks always, and we give thanks to the Lord. Perhaps I can end this time by just sharing with you a story from a book that I just recently finished. It's a book by Eric Larson, and the title is The Splendid and the Vile, a book about Winston Churchill and the city of London and the UK during the Blitz, when the, uh, the German Nazis were bombing the cities. When the U.S. declared war on Japan, something that Churchill and the citizens of U.K. really were hoping for, when they declared war on Japan and Germany after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and Churchill was assured of the help from the U.S., the author Eric Larson writes a little note that Church wrote in his own diary when he said, The Church, uh, later that night, Eric Larson writes, Churchill retired to his room. Being saturated and satiated with emotion and sensation, he, that is Churchill, wrote, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and and thankful. Though none of us can know exactly how this year, these weeks, these days have been for you, we know that those of us who are in Christ Jesus, these words weren't meant for Christ, I recognize, but can certainly be applied to me, to us, and certainly to Westminster Seminary, California. We slept the sleep of the saved, and thankful. May the Lord continue to watch over you, give you mercy always, provide and protect you daily, even as we turn to him in thankfulness for the life that we have in his son, Jesus Christ, and for the ways that he continues to providentially guide and lead us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us throughout the semester. Pray that the Lord continues to guide you.